When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome back to CMO Moves. Today we have another special episode for you because you know what? I just can't help myself. Um, There's so many cool things happening. This one in particular is near and dear to my heart and I wanted to take a moment and not only bring one person back but bring nine different guests back for this very special episode of CMO Moves called Sports Unite which was the effort that was made back in March between Adweek and 14 different sport leagues, as well as 72 and Sunny to bring forward the Real Heroes campaign. And the Real Heroes campaign was monumental. Uh, In fact, Adweek just won a Folio Award on Friday, just this past Friday, for the coverage of this campaign, given how many leagues were involved. So today we're going to talk to Glenn Cole, the co-founder and creative chairman of 72 and Sunny, and he's going to share with us the effort behind the scenes of creating the campaign and really bringing it to bear with literally three weeks between concept inception and delivery. And then we're going to talk to eight different leagues. We're going to talk to Tim Ellis, the CMO of the NFL. We're going to talk to Heidi Browning Pearson, the CMO of the NHL. We're going to talk to Danielle Lee, Chief Fan Officer of the NBA. Stephanie McMahon, Chief Brand Officer of WWE. Barbara McHugh, the Senior Vice President of Marketing of MLB. Mickey Lawler, the President of the WTA. Jill Gregory, CMO of NASCAR. And Danielle Cherry, who was, at the time, the CMO of Activision Blizzard Esports and is now the GM of DC Warner Media Companies. So this is a little bit longer episode, but hopefully we'll give you a really good idea what happened then, what's going on now, and what all these leagues are looking forward to in the future. And I hope you enjoy this. Thank you so much. With that, thank you, Glenn, for being here. You are the co-founder and creative chairman of 72 and Sunny. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, Fun to be back. And um not quite in the trenches like we were on that project, but you know, close. Close. Oh my gosh. And, and we're in the trenches on a couple other projects right now too, but let's talk about this one, the real heroes campaign. And when Tim Ellis, who's the CMO of the NFL, he mentioned your name. I, it was the first time I met you. And, and actually I was so surprised how quickly you and your team jumped in. And I remember exactly the moment. It was the first call we were on 
And we had about 12 people on the phone at that point. And we, we kind of expanded the group. And it was right when COVID was really hitting all of us. We were staying at home. We were working from home. Things were shutting down. And so the first part of that call was like a therapy session, right? It's like, okay, yo, you're going through that too. You're going through that too. And it literally took only 45 minutes into that call until we started moving to, okay, so what can we do? And I remember it was Heidi who had pinged me, Heidi Browning, placebo of the NHL. Um, and said, you think anybody would be interested in doing a joint PSA? I said, well, why don't you throw that out there? And that is how this was born. And then we called you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that was an amazing uh, invitation. Just hearing that these leagues who, you know, I think the average like kid would think they're all sort of friends because it's all sports. But, you know, we all know in business that it's frenemies and I, I, those consumers tend to overlap and they all fight for uh, attention of those consumers. So to hear that they were all together in sort of a Jedi council trying to figure out how they could do the most collective good was, was a really inspiring. I think Tim said, we're talking about potential partners. I know you have a lot going on and at 72 and sunny with, including with his business. So no foul, if you don't want to do it. And I, I just cut him off and was like, are you, I think about jump through the phone. I, <laughs> definitely. We want to do it. Please don't talk to anybody else. I, we we're on. I don't know what it is, but um, it sounds like an amazing opportunity to create huge impact, do something meaningful, and not just, you know, with healthcare workers, but I think like creates a muscle memory between sports leagues working together. I think that's one of the um, both intended and unintended consequences of it. Yeah. And I love that you said it that way. And the work that you guys had to do to even like get grounded, like, you know, all these leagues around you, everybody's got ideas, but the lucky part in all this is they knew where they wanted to land and you were there to help them stick the landing. Tell us a little bit about how you got through that process to the landing. Well, a couple of our values, I think were at play here. We are wired to finding the opportunity in a situation. Our sort of way of working is designed to be collaborative and build on ideas wherever they come from. So that's the skill we try to hone in all our relationships and projects. There's a lot of stakeholders here. There's a, there is one agenda, but there are competing agendas. And so our first sessions were just, you know, questions. What does everyone need from this? What, is there, what are everyone's ambitions? And then just trying to establish a common standard for impact. Like what's a win? Mm-hmm. We can all create a press headline, but what's going to really do good? What good is needed? And, at the, you know, at the time, I mean, it seems like years ago because the world has changed so dramatically since then. You know, at the time, the need was help some beleaguered healthcare workers who were critical to our community's lives and try to serve them in a way that only the sports community could deliver. Mm-hmm. Knowing that there's not an advertising exercise, there's probably not a production involved. That's how we showed up to the first conversation. And I think after the first conversation, we, we almost got to the idea. The insight was, was these, these healthcare workers they're doing all the hero's work. They're doing all the lifting and there is public support for them, but there's no real recognition of them as individuals. There was, I mean, globally, there's a cultural sort of expression of gratitude, but there was no individual expressions of gratitude and no way to identify these like real heroes. The name of the project, the Real Heroes Project, literally just fell out of that. So a tired phrase is building the airplane as you fly, but I think that's, that's what we did. I use that all the time. I feel like I'm in that mode all the time. So let's talk about what was the campaign and then how did you execute it? Well, a lot of those leagues had already committed 
support for health workers in some way. Uh, every participant had either donated money to some funds that, that helped relieve them or were redeploying their production resources. So and it was, what can sport uniquely deliver that no other group, no other category or, or, or set of brands or single brand could, could do? And inspiration was the thing that floated at the top. It, it's a role sport provides. It's a, also a role that was uh, missing in culture because people, all of us suddenly were deprived of our source of daily, nightly inspiration as sports went on hiatus also. We really wanted to do something with high impact and that had longevity. We reached out to the top three to 10 athletes in every global sports and asked them to identify a healthcare worker who was in the front lines of the fight against COVID to send them a message of support by taking their jersey and taping over their own name and put it writing in the name of the doctor, nurse, ENT, whoever, and, and sending them a message of gratitude through a, a social post. Uh, it, short or long, it didn't matter. Authentic and from the heart mattered. So we worked with them on identifying um, those healthcare workers. We worked with them on shaping their storytelling through just virtual briefings. And then we worked with them on coordinating it so that they, they all put out their messages at the same time and invited their communities to their followerships to, to do the same. And then we compiled all those and put together a, a um, piece of content that put all those athletes back to back to back to back. I mean, it felt a lot more like something you might um, see at like the ESPYs than, than you'd see from any one sports league, just because seeing John Cena with, Wayne Gretzky <laughs> players with Alex Morgan with, you know, whoever was, was different math. And then tying it all together, we had a song that, um, that actually Beyonce ended up donating to the cause, which was, I thought also really powerful. And she donated her social footprint also in spreading it. So that's how it started. The call to action for people was to do the same. So identify a healthcare hero in your life, in your community, in your neighborhood, doesn't matter who, and let them know you see them. Do it publicly, change the name on your jersey. Our goal was to unlock the 3 billion plus followers of all the athletes, all the leagues, and then everyone who followed them. And I think we ended up exceeding that. Athletes did it, fans did it, kids did it, families did it. Some of the expressions from the healthcare workers that we got back or that were posted online were just movie to tears. They're still up there if you hunt around for them on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'm opening this deck in the background here that one of your colleagues sent over with some numbers on it. Like, these are not small numbers. The numbers were three and a half billion in, in social impressions, 100,000 hashtag mentions. The, the sentiment was above 95% positive. And we only really asked 40 or 50 athletes directly to do something. So that's entirely organic. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have all these incredible leaders of all these teams come on the show one after another after you, and we're going to hear about what they're thinking about next. I'd be remiss if I didn't shout it out it was just how intense, but also how humorous it was in us having to try to figure out how to coordinate across all these different people and have individual conversations oh, yeah. Across all the different people, all the PR people. I mean, I, I think if we counted how many people were involved in this project and it was literally a three or four week deadline, right? So from the first call to the delivery, we're talking like less than 28 days. 
national we set national nurses day as, as a a target to create a tailwind for it so yeah and that was, that was three weeks out from the time we yeah. hatched the I, not even the idea just like we should do something <laughs> exactly and glenn thank you so much for joining me to share the background and thanks to your team for making this happen we really appreciate you thank you so much thanks for bringing us together it was uh super inspiring and bring it on we want more Okay, you got it. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so now I have the great pleasure of bringing on Mr. Tim Ellis, who is the CMO of the NFL. Tim, hi, and welcome back. Hey, Nadine. Good morning. Good morning. I am so excited to chat with you today because, you know, we were talking about the Real Heroes campaign, and I still remember that very first call that we all got on. And you said, hey, this is a good idea. I got a guy. And that guy we already heard from, which was Glenn Cole. <laughs> and we already heard from him how that campaign went. But how did it go for you at the NFL? We were really proud of that campaign. As far as I know, it was the first time all the sports leagues had come together to um, create something big and important. And I think that, you know, when I saw how fans reacted to it and the general public, I was really touched and proud by the impact that we had together. And I, I couldn't help but feel like, geez, why didn't we do this earlier? And certainly I, I feel like it's important for us to, to look down the road and see what else we can do together. Because I think that it was clear from the feedback from fans that uh, they really enjoyed seeing these leagues come together. We all individually have our responsibilities to entertain and to bring people together to our games. But we also have a tremendous platform and opportunity, and I would say uh, responsibility, to um, unite and bring people together uh, and to create a better world. So I, I was really, I was, I was thrilled at the result. Yes, it was pretty phenomenal. And uh, speaking of responsibilities, since then, there's been a lot that's, that's happened because um, that was really right when COVID started hitting, and then we went through the period and still are going through a period of social unrest. And then on top of that, you know, with all the changes for sports and not being able to have fans in the stands and uh, like, how have you just been thinking about this in terms of challenges or opportunities? I think it was a very unique situation for the NFL in that we had just come off the celebration of our hundredth year. And that was a year long of, just looking at all the, the incredible, inspiring moments of the NFL over the past hundred years. But as we closed out the year in, in a very clear way, we said, now it's time to look to the next hundred years, right? And let's pass the torch to young people in particular. Um, and, and so I don't, you know, obviously we could have never imagined what that hundredth year and hundred and first year was going to be like. Uh, and I think in, in a very poignant way, we were forced to look, at ourselves and who uh, who we are is a is a brand, and you know look at our values and our our traits and our our beliefs, and really move forward in a, in a very courageous way. And I and I'm really proud, I think, of, of how we've handled this year. I mean, we you, you talked about the Real Heroes campaign, which was I, I think tremendous, and it uh, it touched people out there, it inspired people, uh, it brought people together. We also did a campaign right before that, um, which was Stay Home, Stay Strong. And we, we rallied all the players together with their families. And we had, you know, very 
heartwarming, very clear messages to let's all stick together and let's stay home and let's get through this, right? And then it's been very important for us to turn our level of focus, not only just to, to keep people together, but also to fix some things. It's, it's important that we take that corporate responsibility that we have and we really do everything in our power to make the world a better place. There's been a tremendous amount of things that all the leagues have been doing around the area of social justice. At the NFL, as we look to our role and our responsibility to really drive the social justice movement forward, not from a short-term perspective, but from a long-term perspective, and to look deep into our past and to be honest about that and open about that, and to really open-heartedly inspire people to to, to make a difference. We put a tremendous amount of work and effort into that. Uh, and, you know, it's not as if we hadn't done some things in the past. We had, we had a strong program for about two years. I don't think enough people knew about it. I don't think we created a, a big enough impression of what we were doing. Uh, and I think that was also a learning that we had, but it's clear to me that obviously we need to entertain people. We need to provide people with a sense of escapism, but we also have a tremendous responsibility to unite people and bring people together and to essentially eradicate racism and inequality. Yeah. Well, I commend you for all the activity and the encouragement that you have provided to not just the players, but the clubs and the league. Um, and we were just talking about, you know, the elevated role of, of marketing. And, and obviously I think you've stated that very, very well, you know, it's the time to step up and really drive positive change in society. But let's talk about something really immersed in society in a fun way. And that's what's happening tomorrow. What is tomorrow? So tomorrow is opening day of the, of the season. And uh, wow. I mean, we have been working toward this now, it seems like forever. Nobody thought we would pull off the draft when we did. It was very different, very unique, but in many ways, it was the most interesting, exciting draft that we had ever pulled off. And I think there's been a lot of questions about whether we would uh, be able to open our season. And I, I have to say that I'm, again, I'm, I'm not only am I excited, I'm very, very proud of everybody within our organization who has made this happen. We have persevered and, and kept our sort of um, our eyes on the prize in terms of opening up at the right time, but, but most importantly, keeping everybody safe, you know, keeping all of our players and our NFL family safe, and also obviously keeping our fans safe. And we are, we are doing that. And I'm, I'm, I couldn't be more excited and more proud about the opening of the season tomorrow. I think it's going to be an historic event. It's going to be a very exciting and moving event. We are really going to be doing something that I, I, I don't think most people thought we could pull off, right? You know, and the theme line for our campaign and really for the year is it takes all of us. I'm moved and inspired by everything that this league has been able to do and our teams uh, and the players have been magnificent in the way that they've all come together and worked closely together, kept each other safe, kept each other moving forward. Uh, sports in general is all about camaraderie and integrity, truly being a team and having each other's back. And that's exactly what 
all these guys have done and what I think what we have done as a league. And that's why we're able to, to, to do this. That's, how, that's why we're able to have an opening uh, to our season tomorrow night. Wow. Well, I cannot wait to see what happens tomorrow. I know you've been working hard, obviously, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting great things, just like you said. So congratulations in advance. Good luck. Thank you so much. Get some sleep tonight, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and thank you for taking a little bit of time with me today before the big day. And I uh, really appreciate you, Tim. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Nadine. Appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Okay, so for this next segment, I am so excited. The amazing Heidi Browning Pearson is back with us, who is the CMO of the NHL, National Hockey League. Heidi, welcome back. Thank you, Nadine. It's a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to have you here. You know, I we were just reminiscing about all the fun times we've had, especially you being on CMO Moves before. Um, and... It was just so much fun to work with you on this Sports Unite joint PSA. And, you know, everybody knows this now, but I just have to continue to, to point out, like, this was, that was your idea. Like, our very first Sports Unite call, you texted me in the middle of the call and said, hey, I have this idea. Should I, should I, should we talk about it? And I was like, yeah. And then you put it out there and it was like an immediate, bam, yes, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And so a star was born. Congratulations. Uh, it's easy to have the idea to do something. It's harder to have the idea of what to do. And so that was the, that was the fun part because um, it was so neat that you pulled all of us together. And I thought it was just such a special time as I reflect on my career as a CMO at a moment when we all were so profoundly impacted by everything happening in the world. We were all having this collective emotional experience and this desire to do something. And with us being in sports and having the platform and having the ability to influence our fans and audiences around the world with the importance of health and safety uh, during this COVID epidemic, that to me was just really profound that we were able to all align around, yes, we want to do something. Yes, we want to work together. And then it was so easy because once we got to that with Glenn Cole and the team bringing in their fantastic idea, then boom, we were off to the races. Yeah. And you certainly did go off to the races in a, with a big bang and a big boom. Um, and, and how's it been for you since? What, what is, what's life been like? It, it, it was good. I mean, the, the whole Real Heroes project was really uh, fantastic for us and for our clubs and for our players and for our communities. I do want to talk a little bit about that because as you know, our initiative took uh, a, a life on of its own uh, as we started to recruit athletes, not only to be part of that film, but then influence and inspire athletes across all 31 of our clubs to post and to share their hero stories as well. And in that process, we learned so much about some of our players have mothers and sisters and brothers who are uh, on the front lines. And so the stories continued to come. And for me, the reward was to see some of these heroes be honored and feel the honor from their favorite athletes. And so that was really terrific. And so what we tried to do is thread that into our return to play. 
So the NHL returned to play and our first priority was the health and safety of our players and our staff. Uh, obviously, we're not playing in front of fans. We determined our strategy was to have two hub cities where we brought the teams in. So we had 12 teams in each hub city. One of our key objectives uh, was to really honor what had been going on in the world and continues to go on in the world. So we were honoring our frontline heroes, uh, healthcare heroes, but also we were honoring our social justice heroes in each and every one of our communities. Uh, in between the Real Heroes Project and when we restarted our season, uh, George Floyd was murdered and we you know, had an incredible uh, outcry around social justice and the need to stop and pause and not only uh, acknowledge it, but take action. And so we wanted to make sure that throughout our return to play that we were really honoring these people uh, that have been sacrificing uh, so much and contributing so much to uh, our communities because sports has such a deep root to our communities. Without our communities and our fans, we wouldn't be here. So we developed a campaign that was called We Skate For, and each game we skated for someone different. It was a, either a frontline healthcare worker or it was a social justice hero. Each of the teams um, shared the story of the people that are local to their market. We did a little piece on them. It was on broadcast, social media. And so we really wanted to give back to our communities and celebrate them in that way. So that was an exciting development uh, as that was inspired by uh, the Real Heroes campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know you've been working around the clock, always pivoting in these last few months and coming up with new ways to stay true to your, your brand and, and to your own purpose. What's next for you? What's next is to continue building on the great work that has occurred in terms of shifting hockey culture. I think that's one of the things that is a kind of a gem that's come out of this COVID situation has allowed everyone in the world to pause for a moment and really think about what's important in life. And from a marketing perspective, one of the things that we've been trying to do for a long time is uh, get our athletes to participate in social media. They uh, have traditionally been uh, sort of the least active on social media and the, the least penetration of all athletes on social media. And so what COVID did was gave them a platform at which they used to message health and safety messaging to their fans. But it also really gave them the opportunity to have a voice and stand up and stand out on these social issues. And that was one of the moments that I'm most proud of because it is a true shift in hockey culture and it's continuing to shift. It's continuing to shift today with us taking this moment of reflection and pausing to listen and learn. And I hope that when we award the Stanley Cup and move into our next season, I hope that we continue the powerful platform that we're building for these athletes to continue to inspire change and inspire conversation and give back to community uh, and also showcase a little bit about their personalities. Our fans take such cues in life from athletes about, you know, who they admire and how can they become like them and what do you eat and what do you, how do you work out and what do you read? And those are really important moments that shape young people. And so I think the, the steps that we're taking today are going to build and deepen our bonds with our fans for the future. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, after living through this time, oh my gosh, and we're still through it, going through it, what would be a tip that you would offer another marketer out there? I think what we've learned through this period, and it applies in so many different ways, is that we don't have to strive for perfection to be effective. So if you think about it from a content production standpoint, right? Um, we've you know, had all this like highly produced content you know, and invested so much time and money. And now we're having all these things are happening on Zoom, right? Television shows are being shot on Zoom that's okay. You can still be effective. You can still communicate and connect with people through maybe technology that's not your high-end production value. So it's not to say that that's the way it should be for the rest of you know, eternity, but I do think there's um, a value in the, you know, the high production value and the real and the raw. And, you know, and I think that that's been an important thing. But I, I, it, it applies to everything that we've been doing. You, there's no perfection in how do you, and no handbook in how you handle what's going on in society right now. And if we sit back and try to have the perfect statement or the perfect plan or the perfect everything, we're going to miss the moment. And when you miss the moment, you miss the moment. And so that's where I think we're really focused on how do we be more agile? How do we be more responsive? How do we give ourselves a break, not being perfect, but getting out there and just participating? That's the key uh, to change. Ah, thank you. So wise and so fun and so lovely always to talk to you. Thank you, you for too. joining. I know we could keep talking forever. So. <laughs> <laughs> we could, we could. And we're going to come back and do another full-on CMO Moves uh, after the Stanley Cup is awarded. How about that? That sounds fantastic. Yes. Okay. So for this next segment, this is going to be fun. I have Miss Danielle Lee, who is the very first ever chief fan officer on the planet from the NBA. Danielle, hi and welcome. Hi, Nadine. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. I couldn't be more thrilled to have you. I mean, what a funny story that we have that goes along with this incredibly powerful campaign. Yes. <laughs> literally, it was the Friday before you started your new job as chief fan officer that you jumped into the very first call and you're like, okay, I'm here. What do we got to do? So um, <laughs> it was amazing. It was, it was perfect timing, right? To uh, jump in and figure out how to have impact in, um, in this, what we were dealing with, which was a massive crisis and pandemic. So it was exciting to be part of the community that you fostered and figure out what we could do together. It was so interesting because, well, first of all, I think I had just the day before put out the release about your new role. And then on top of that, it was such a cool new role, chief fan officer. And you were able to jump right in and you had all these great ideas right off the bat and you hadn't even started the job yet. And I was like, this is amazing. So <laughs> you, you are a trendsetter, always have been. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, I think the work that we did um, with the Sports United group, it was absolutely a team effort. And what I was really blown away by was just how the, the intention was so pure and everyone had a shared ambition around putting business aside and what good could we do in the world and how could we use our platforms to really um, thank and recognize 
the real heroes. Uh, so it was it was exciting to be a part of sort of the the concepting of this and how we bring it to life. And since that time, and I we were just talking about, I cannot believe it's been six months since that time. But what's been going on since with you? Oh, you know, a little of this, a little of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I joined the NBA, our season was suspended and we were in the throes of figuring out if and how we restart. And so from day one, it's really been about the restart of our season. And I, in particular, was leading the campaign um, around our restart and what do we say to our fans? And so it's been an intense six months. We restarted our season in July. I've been focused on the communication and developing the creative that we put out in market. And so the campaign we landed on was Whole New Game. And for us, it was really important to own the conversation and own the narrative around our restart. Prior to starting, there was a lot of speculation around would there be fans, would there not be fans, would the experience be as entertaining and, and fun. And so it was really important for us to talk about, yes, it's different, but this is why it's exciting. And so, you know, I think being uh, transparent and vulnerable and owning that and using it as a way to bring the, the community together was a really effective uh, creative strategy for us. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was teasing you earlier, but I'm I'm really, really serious. I'm going to have to have you back on CMO Moves so we can dig in more into your role because it's such a cool role. Chief fan officer and your background is incredible. I mean, you and I have spent a lot of time together in the last few years yeah, doing a lot of work together to help people build their own career with the good tips that you have brought forward. So I know people are going to be wanting more, so I'm going to just forewarn them. I'm going to have you on CMO Moves one day, right? I love it. I'm there. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And we're going to dig into that. But for right now, as we think about what's happening uh, in your world at the moment and what you're looking forward to, what are some of the things that you're thinking about? So we are in our postseason, and uh, within the next month, we will crown a champion. And so that is the, the North Star for us. We are so focused on completing playoffs and going into finals and crowning a champion. The level of play could not be higher than um, what it is today. I mean, there's been so many unforgettable moments. We think about just the the. the collective sacrifice and um, effort that it took to, to get this far. So we're just kind of hunkered down, focused on crowning a champion in the next few weeks. And then, you know, I think the the other aspect of it is the, the work we're doing on the social justice front, which has been, you know, in the press and we've kind of been on the front lines of it. And so really kind of thinking through our strategy beyond uh, this season and, and the impact that we want to have in the world. So, you know, we've got a lot going on, but it's, it's really rewarding work. And we believe that our fans are responding to our position and um, the, the communications we're putting out in the world and, and are just really excited about the game. It seems from my seat, at least, that you have done an amazing job hitting the ground running, literally, uh, since before you started. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and I am excited to have you come back in a couple of months, hopefully after the end of your season. And let's dig into some of the social justice work that you are doing, because that is critically important for all. Um, but for right now, I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming back um, to share a little bit about what's been happening since this wonderful campaign we did together. Oh, thank you for, for having me, Nadine. And thank you for bringing us together. It really couldn't have happened without you and the Abby team. Oh, you're too kind. You're too kind. Thank you so much. And can't wait to talk with you again soon. Sounds good. Okay. So for our next segment, I am going to bring back the wonderful, the incredible Steph McMahon, who is the chief brand officer of WWE. So um, tell me, like, what were some of the results you got from being part of this campaign? How did it, how did it make you feel and, and, and the impact of the WWE? Well, from just a straight number standpoint, we had the advantage because we've never been off the air. So we've continued to air both on um, Fox broadcast for SmackDown, which is one of our flagship shows, as well as Monday Night Raw. Um, that airs on USA Network and NXT because, of course, it's seven hours of content every week at a minimum um, that we produce for our television partners. And in addition to that, we leveraged all of our digital and social platforms. So we saw over 250 million potential impressions across platforms, over 2.2 million video views, and nearly 500,000 engagements, which includes likes, shares, retweets, comments, anything that's activated on um, is how we track engagement. So, and I heard from all of our superstars who were involved and everyone who watched, as well as the, the business influencers who I, who I sent the, the spot to, just overwhelmed with emotion and how powerful it was and how well done it was to really just recognize the real heroes who are those frontline medical workers sacrificing and taking those huge chances for all of us. And I know, you know, when we did your CMO Moves podcast, we, we dove deep into so many incredible initiatives that you have going on at the WWE that you're really driving to help lots of different communities who are in need. So I wanted to thank you again for, for everything that you do there. But having you be part of this program was really exciting. And lots happened already since. So what's, what's been going on since? <laughs> well, we have uh, continued to produce our content as well as actually really ramping up our content efforts. Video views are up across YouTube and our WW Network programming, you know, no different than the rest of, of the world. We're seeing definitely a big tick up in our digital views across the board. We are a live event based company. So we're constantly on the lookout of when we can return to having fans in the audience and return to touring in arenas. But it seems like it, it's a little ways away from all of that, like it used to be, probably until we find a vaccine. We've continued to do and, and partner with a number of different organizations to try to help raise awareness. We've really taken a lot of steps to address racial equality within WWE and what we're going to be doing moving forward and really supporting our superstars and athletes and their efforts um, also to get messaging out. There's just been so much movement within our organization and, um, you know, a lot of changes still to come. Yeah. Well, speaking of still to come, what is in the near future for you that you're excited about? 
We, you know, are just continuing to drive and innovate. We have a couple of announcements coming in terms of programming with different partners that I, I can't let on yet. We launched the free version of WWE Network. It's a different model for us. It used to be first 30 days free, and we have actually changed our whole model where the free version now allows you to watch particular content without having to pay any money at all. And in some cases, for uh, lesser content, you don't even have to enter your email address. This is about a month in, so we're continuing to evolve. We've also launched in Latin America in certain uh, places. We've launched local currency and local language. So that is definitely on our roadmap to expand and grow you know, into a number of different uh, markets. There's definitely a lot happening here in WWE. Nothing ever slows down. No, it doesn't sound like it. Holy cow. So with everything that has changed, um, and yet also some things have remained the same and continue to accelerate, what's your number one tip for marketers today as they think about going into the rest of this year and possibly even out to 2021? Can I give two? Yes, please. Okay. So I think it's, it's really important to put your consumers first. You have to listen to them. You have to let them know you care. There's so much out there, particularly, you know, now with digital content, people have a lot of choices and you need to give them a reason to care about what you're offering, about what your product is or about, you know, of course I mentioned viewers because I'm in the content business, but whatever your product is, you need to give people a reason to care, a reason to choose your brand over another. And the only way you can do that is by listening to them and putting them first. And then the other key lesson I think here is don't be afraid to fail. You know, you have to try new things. And I think in this world we're living in right now, our consumers, our fans, the world is more forgiving now than ever. And I also think that they want to be a part of your brand, right? So they're going to give you feedback on what they think is working, what they think is not working. You can ask them. You can let them know you're going to test something out. You know, you can be proactive in engaging with your consumers. And I think it's really important to know that it is okay to try and fail and get back up again. Oh, great advice. I mean, right now is a great opportunity to get creative and to listen, like you said earlier, really think about your consumers and you're not going to know all the answers. So trying is better than not trying at all. So thank you for that amazing advice. And thanks for the update. And thanks for grabbing 10 minutes with me. I feel like I could go on for an hour with you again. <laughs> well, there's more to come, Nadine. Well, you have a fabulous rest of your day. And thanks for taking a, a few minutes here. Absolutely. Thank you, Nadine. Okay. So next up, we have Barbara McHugh, who is the Senior Vice President of Marketing at MLB, Major League Baseball. Barbara, hi, and welcome to the show. Thanks, Nadine. Great to be uh, connected again. Excited to chat. Yeah, likewise. I mean, gosh, I, I, it's, we were just saying, I can't believe this all started last March. What was your experience going through this campaign with the other leagues and, and maybe some things that you've been thinking about since? Yeah, well, first, I think thank you again for just bringing us all together. It's, uh, you know, it was a great experience. It's, it's something I still talk about with uh, colleagues of mine at MLB, as well as our club contacts and colleagues. And 
you know, just the, the whole idea of bringing people together and being united. I mean, it's such a theme in 2020 in general. And for us on the field, on the court or whatnot, sometimes can be competitors. And in this case, the campaign that we did together was the complete opposite. It was all about being united, joining together, and, and really just tipping our caps and saying thank you to, to those on the front lines that have really you know, helped us in terms of particularly the, the global pandemic that we're in. So I look forward to you know, what's next with the group and just really grateful for the connections. You know, some of us had already known each other, but certainly there were a number of new connections. So that's, that's always a, a great takeaway as well. Yeah, and I, I know it was an exciting moment to have you join in. And uh, we were just fascinated by all the work that you've been doing and had been doing. And, you know, you've been working really hard since then. Boy, what a, what a turbulent time for sports this year. Like, what, what's going on right now? And what are you thinking about for the future? Yeah, you know, it's interesting just in terms of the timing of, uh, you know, sort of the, the shutdown, for lack of a better description there, back in March. And just looking across all the different sports leagues, we were all in a different place. Um, for us, we were during spring training and as well as at the start of our season. So where we are right now is we're, we're well underway in our shortened 60-game season. And uh, before we know it, postseason will be around the corner. And for us, you know, October is such a fun time for us. We're really looking forward to it. I think this year, specifically with a shortened season and a new postseason format that we're introducing, it should be a lot of fun. A lot of anticipation and hype is starting to build on which teams will make it, I think certainly which, which uh, young new stars will emerge. And that's really what October baseball is all about, but particularly with the new format that we have, I think it's just gonna create that much more uh, extra additional buzz. So really excited about that. And I think from a fan's perspective, what they can you know, also anticipate and, and see is um, more content showcasing our star players, additional mic'd up content, which is always a great opportunity for fans just to see the personalities come to life of our players. On First with Pete Alonzo, presented by Gatorade, is one of our content series, which has seen some early success, and we're really excited to film and introduce future episodes and just additional mic'd up content throughout the rest of the season and the postseason. And just that, that really personal touch, I think, uh, goes a long way for fans that complements the, the talent on the field. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I'm really excited that you guys have been able to pivot and find all these new paths forward. Thank you for taking some time to spend with me. Before I, I let you go, though, what is your tip that you have for somebody tuning in having gone through the last six months of pivoting? <laughs> exactly that. I think uh, the flexibility and ability to pivot, generally speaking, but, but also uh, quickly and often. It just definitely has been a bit of a theme this year, um, you know, more than, more than usual. But I also think, you know, empathy, extra listening of viewpoints and collaboration, which, which are always important. But I think uh, in these times specifically, it's been needed now more than ever in the work that we do. And I think I, I, you and I may have talked about this uh, offline, but, you know, just the theme around um, being comfortable with the uncomfortable and it helps get you out of your comfort zone and, uh, you know, gives you that, you know, confidence sometimes to take those risks and build on opportunities I think this year particularly, it's just you're constantly reminded of that and uh, it's just extremely relevant. And lastly, I would probably say um, knowing that life has uh, thrown us a lot of curveballs and challenges in 2020, but I think just trying to keep things in perspective is, is something that I try to think about, you know, trying to stay positive and, and optimistic. And, uh, you know, attitude is, is something that I think we can all own and control uh, personally. And I often think about a quote. Um, which is uh, life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how we react to it. So that's just sort of something I try to think about. And I think, uh, again, with 2020, probably something, you, you know, given some more thought just by nature of 
all the different variables that are being thrown at us on a, on a daily basis. Well, great advice. And again, thank you so much for taking a few minutes with me today. I really appreciate you and um, appreciate all that you're doing. Thank you. Thanks, Nadine. Okay, so for our next guest, I have the fabulous Mickey Lawler here, who is the president at the WTA, which is the Women's Tennis Association. Mickey, hi and welcome. Hi, Nadine. Thank you very much for having me. It is a pleasure to be back with you. I'm thrilled that we have another opportunity to get together. And actually, I first met you through the Real Heroes campaign. So that was a really exciting moment. What's it been like for you since that campaign? The campaign actually marked a very important time over the last six months because it gave us an opportunity to go beyond our sport and uh, unite as sports leagues and work together for the first time in history, probably. It really shed light on the important chapter in our history. And when 10 years from now, we look back to 2020, the Real Heroes campaign will show what the power of sports is, especially when you collaborate you erase all the limitations of working as a single sport, but you know you really bring together every platform and create a movement that uh, that goes beyond each sport and sports, and um, and brings the positive impact that we all hope to have. My grandfather was a soccer player, and he used to always say to us, "It's not about the ball; it's about what you can do with the platform and the social." positivity that you can bring to to a community. So the Real Heroes campaign really kicked that off in a big way. And for us, if if the Big Heroes campaign was a tree, then we took every branch and tried to flower it as uh, effectively as possible. And then we have also extended the work to focus on our own initiatives. We have WTA charities as an inherent part of WTA, and um, and we have a um, big celebration this year because we, um, exactly 50 years ago on September 23rd, is when women's professional tennis was formed as a reaction to the um, lack of equality that professional tennis uh, provided at the time. So Billie Jean King and eight of her fearless colleagues started women's professional tennis, really put everything on the line. So we have been focused on an event that we have been planning for a while, actually pre-COVID planning. What was going to be a gala during the U.S. Open has now evolved into a virtual gala that we're holding on the 23rd of September to honor the original nine and the 50 years of women's professional tennis and, um, and to bestow the first WTA for Love Courage Award to the original nine and also to raise funds for women who have been affected by COVID-19. Wow. That's amazing. I'm so glad you're doing that. It sounds, it sounds wonderful. You, when you think about the sport and 
the WTA and all the changes that are happening, you know, as you mentioned, going from in-person to virtual for even an event. What are you thinking right now and what's ahead for you? Well, it is very interesting to take certain aspects of the presentation of the sport and the consumption of the sport and understand that this is something that has changed forever in, in many ways. When you look at your digital platforms, for example, you've got data in real time that tells you what works and what doesn't work. And throughout this COVID-19 time, what has performed very well for us has an impact on, I think, the presentation from here on out. Uh, For example, we have this series called Home Court. And in Home Court, which has been our best performer on digital channels, the athletes create user-generated content whereby they show how they improvise training at home, you know, not at these massive facilities that are usually available to them, but how they improvise making a court and practicing their tennis skills, as well as, of course, their physical fitness. And we've seen fans upload very creative versions of their own home courts. And you may have seen that on on Instagram and so forth. But for an athlete to connect directly to a fan is what works. Through technology and how we've really effectively changed in-office meetings and getting on planes and going to meet people in person, for us, it's all over the world because we're a global sport, to Zoom and Teams, FaceTime and so on, and really effectively continuing the road to um, progress the sport and the business of the sport, I think that that has also provided us with new ways to connect athletes to fans. If you look at an event post-COVID where, you know, maybe hospitality or experiential marketing is going to change, then we know that there are other ways of getting it done and, and getting it done better. We take a lot of learnings from this time that we are sure we're going to apply from here on on out. And, you know, you see with the presentation of the NBA and their virtual fans and, um, and how that's been um, applied, it, it's, it's been very impressive. So, yes, I would say we're going to have to focus on production of television and then also on getting fans virtually a courtside seat or getting that direct connection to the athlete. Wow. Very exciting. And, and I, I love how you said it'll be better than before. And I think that's uh, inspiring to, to many because I think a lot of folks were concerned what will happen. And yet the whole industry is getting very creative. So I can't wait to see what you do next. And before <laughs> I let you go, what's your number one lesson or tip that you've learned through this time? We started working on a new brand and a new brand launch about two years ago. And we're getting ready to launch that at the end of this year. So in a way, the good news within all of this horrible news is that we are going to come out of this looking fresher and newer and better from a brand perspective. 
And the big lesson in this exercise is that tennis is an individual sport. Now two years of of working very closely with the team on looking at where our strength lies. It is very evident that we are very strong when we compete alone, but when we compete together, we're unstoppable. And I think that that is the, uh, the big takeaway here. And we've seen it at every level of the challenges that have been presented and is very evident when you look at the frontline medical workers, how they held each other up and they were unstoppable together. You know, you can't argue against that. So to me, that's the biggest lesson. That is a very good lesson. And what a perfect way to say that and relates also to the campaign where you and 13 other leagues and sports came together and were unstoppable too. It was an, a tremendous opportunity that you put together. And it was, it was really a highlight of my career to be able to come together with the other leagues and understand the, the power that, that we had in this opportunity to, um, to make a difference. Yeah, and you sure did. Uh, thank you so much for everything you've done, everything you're doing. So thank you so much. Thank you, Nadine. Thank you. And I hope that your initiatives continue to be as successful as they've been. And you really do some amazing work. So congrats to you as well. Thank you so much. You just made my day. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, we will be in touch again very soon. And I'm looking forward to seeing all your great updates. Thanks so much. And don't forget to go to the dentist and take care of yourself. <laughs> you know, your husband cannot go to the dentist for you. <laughs> that, that is funny. I'm going to have to explain that one because you, you're absolutely right on. It's been really fun. Thanks so much for being here. And I will check in really soon. Okay. Take good care. Okay, so another incredible guest, Jill Gregory, the CMO of NASCAR, is here. Jill, hi, welcome back. Hey, Nadine, great to see you. Great to see you too. I mean, wow, it, I feel like it's been a year already since we recorded your first podcast on CMO Moves. That was at Brand Week last year. Yes, Palm Springs oh. seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> For many reasons, right? Yes. <laughs> Holy cow. Well, you know, it was really exciting um, to see you and to be able to work with you through the Real Heroes campaign. That was such an incredible campaign that we're talking about here and bringing everybody back. How was it for you after you went through that process? I look back at that with (laughs) such fondness and enthusiasm because the power of that group and what we were able to do at the time to, to use sport and use our platform collectively to affect real change is something that I'll always be proud of. I think it's gonna be the highlight of 2020 when there aren't a ton of highlights. I think it's going to be a program that you look back on and you say, wow, that was you know something that was really meaningful and it actually drove real results for us and I think the other league partners as well. I mean, it really resonated with the fans. Um, I know our athletes collectively enjoyed it. So I'm not sure what's next, but uh, in a year where uncertainty is the name of the game, that was one that you think we'll look back on as a real accomplishment. Yeah, it was certainly an accomplishment and one that you carried forward as well, right? 
you know, the Real Heroes Project for us, we were able to go back racing at the time of the launch of that program and really take our first race back um, on television in front of fans to showcase the project. So we were able to put all of those names of our real heroes on the cars. We were able to get our drivers involved. Um, yeah, it was an incredible effort across the leagues. And uh, at our first race back and at Darlington, we were able to recognize the Real Heroes 400 and use that race. We reached over 13 million television viewers that day, which was fantastic. 93% of our fans were aware of the program and really reacted well to it. Yeah, that was really impressive. So would you talk about then how things have changed and how different it is today and hopefully in the future, you know, I won't say go back to normal because everybody's talking about the new normal will be better than normal. Uh, what can fans expect right now uh, from NASCAR? What are, you, what are you thinking about now in the short term? Yeah, I think in the short term, we are trying to, to do our best to safely bring fans back to sport. So, you know, we know that fans want normalcy and sports is normalcy. Our consumers obviously miss seeing sports, but they also have these other concerns for their health and their safety and their family that has to be part of our calculus now. And so we want to keep their interest and we want to give them that outlet, but we have to do it in a way that's, that's just, you know, so different than the way we used to, whether that's, are we going to have packed grandstands with over 100,000 people sitting shoulder to shoulder? No. So what are we going to be able to do and, and how can you give fans their taste of sports, but do it safely and in a world where the parameters, the protocols, the policies have changed? And I think the other thing we've all been doing is really working with probably more than we ever imagined state and local officials that kind of dictate if you're able to bring sports back. And so I think what our fans can expect is if we are able to bring fans back, it's going to be in a way that has their safety first and foremost. So in most cases or most normal years, it's the fan experience, the excitement, the sounds, the smell. We need to give them all of that, but we have to do it in a way that they feel comfortable continuing to, to come and enjoy uh, NASCAR racing. And then we're also having to reconstruct what that does look like and are there things that we've been able to deliver virtually that we can keep you know delivering virtually and so there perhaps as we look into 21 planning you know how are we bringing those the venue experiences to the fans based on the technology that we've employed over the past few months so you know i think that what fans can expect is the same nascar racing the excitement the competition the drivers the storylines but we might be delivering it in a different way. And there'll be some combination of a physical experience and a virtual experience that I think will live on. And I think it's up to us to figure out what are those components and what's the right mix as you look into the 2021 season. You know, it's, it's fascinating because we have um, all gone through this incredible technology accelerator. And so it'll be really exciting to see what new things you come up with uh, in the future. So excited to see that. Yes. But, you know, let's, let's think about this year. It's been a tough year and you've had to endure quite a bit in your leadership role. What would be the number one tip you would offer other leaders in going through this time? I think for, for us, 
in this unprecedented time, you know, it's easy to, I think, really overanalyze or try to predict or gather as much information. You also can't be afraid to step out and lead and make some decisions and, um, you know, lead transformation, you know, use this unfortunate circumstances to be sure to transform your business and not have that feel opportunistic, but have that feel realistic. And I think if we aren't all learning from this ways to employ some of these changes in our business moving forward, then we're missing an opportunity. How do you turn this into a transformative moment, you know, while you're also trying to lead with empathy and and take care of your people and, and have the feeling of partnership and collaboration, because it's easy to feel overwhelmed by the work piece of it, the personal life, and that leadership is just, I think this year, been more important than ever. Well said, well said. And thank you so much again for everything that you do and for taking some time to share with me uh, the updates since, since the big launch of The Real Heroes. Well, I'm just glad that we were able to be a part of it. The program itself and what we were able to accomplish was fantastic, but I think the relationships and the collaboration and the learnings just from a leadership standpoint is something that is equally as important. And I think that many of us took away from it. Great. Thank you. Well, more from you soon, I am certain. Um, And I'll be uh, keeping an eye on all the cool things that you're doing. I can't wait. I hope to see you soon. Likewise. Okay, so for our next segment, I have the pleasure of bringing back Daniel Cherry III, who was a prior guest on CMO Moves. Actually, it was the CMO Moves duos with Julian Duncan, the CMO of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Daniel at that time was the CMO of Activision Blizzard Esports and was part of the entire Sports Unite campaign, the Real Heroes campaign that we just talked about. And so, Daniel, you have some big news also to share with us. But before we jump into that, welcome to CMO Moves again. I'm excited to be here. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. And I'm excited by uh, the good work we've done together. And I'm looking forward to doing more. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we have done quite a bit of good work together in lots of different ways. Um, And you're about to provide more opportunity to bring you back yet again, because you're in a whole new role, a different role, uh, since the Real Heroes campaign. You are now the GM of DC Warner Media Company. Is that right? That is correct. That is correct. As a longtime fanboy of DC Comics and DC Entertainment overall, and the kind of, candidly, the power of superheroes and the kind of narrative they can provide uh, fans uh, beyond just an escape, but just, you know, lessons learned about morality and a little bit of fun thrown in there too. So I'm uh, candidly ecstatic to have what I consider a dream job for comic book nerds like me. <laughs> I can just see it now how much fun you're going to have. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that, that move because it sounds different, but there's a lot of similarities to when you were at Activision Blizzard Esports. Um, but before we do that, tell me a little bit about post-campaign. You know, how, how were you guys feeling after that? Well, I said it before with the group, it was candidly a cathartic experience to work with others going through such a unprecedented time and being able to do that together and create some good out of what has otherwise been a relatively kind of tragic cultural experience for us all. So for me, it's been a continuation of that feeling, um, just seeing the stories being told, seeing the gratitude that other athletes have been telling 
their fans, but also those frontline workers, um, because it's a never-ending, right, battle. Um, this is something that we all are experiencing together, but our frontline workers are on the front lines, not just for COVID, but for every single day. It's nothing kind of new to them. This is just more of the same all at once. So the experience that I've had kind of post-launch the campaign is one of, candidly, more appreciation, right? We, we shine the light on something that, uh, as I said, was always there, uh, but this moment made it matter more to us, and hopefully it made it matter more to them as well. So I think the acknowledgement we gave those frontline workers and my own personal kind of understanding what they're going through and just supporting them more actively is something that uh, I'm taking with me and my own two daughters um, have recognized that as well. So the power of sports and entertainment to see folks stand up for what's right, not just with uh, COVID, but now we're talking about social justice. So it's a continuation of the same thing. Things that matter to those athletes and those you know, esport players um, and those that have a media platform uh, having the ability to speak out um, is something that I think the Real Heroes Project did really well, and we should continue to do so. So I'm hoping that it's not the last time that these kind of athlete superheroes get together and stand for something that uh, is, is bigger than sport. Yeah. Well, I hope not either. In fact, I've already been asked to set up a happy hour reunion with everybody. So uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but in terms of your esport heroes that actually participated, I mean, some of those players that you have that were part of the campaign, they have more followers than most football players. Is that right? Well, they do. They're, they're, <laughs> they're global, um, which I think is the thing that people haven't quite understood about esports is that just because it's not as big as you think it is in America does not mean that it's not big in the rest of the world. I jokingly look at esports as kind of the digital equivalent of soccer, right? Soccer is not as big as it is in the States and the rest of the world but it is massive everywhere else in the world. Um, I've said before that there are multiple languages uh, in the world, but there are a few that are probably the biggest. Um, you know, gaming, you know, math, music are some of the biggest languages. I think in terms of sports, soccer is probably a global language in some ways. And, you know, my new role, uh, I think this idea of kind of superheroes, good guys versus bad guys and the morality play and the fun of entertainment um, is something as, as global as, as it can be. So yes, they are. These uh, eSport players are incredibly popular um, the rest of the world. As I mentioned uh, when we chatted internally as a group, these players are truly global in the sense that when they have a world championship, it is players from around the world. You have players in China playing players in London, playing players in Europe, playing players uh, throughout Europe, playing players in North America. So they don't use that term lightly when they say world champion. Yeah, it's amazing. I was so fascinated to watch and to learn more uh, through both our podcast together, but then also seeing it come to life with these global players through the campaign. It was, wow, that's, that's amazing. And, and when it comes to the fans, there's a lot of crossover between esports and what you're doing now, right? Yeah, the through line between where I was and where I am now, which makes it, I think, a more seamless transition in some ways, is you have a bunch of Gen Z, Gen Y fans, but also a bunch of fanboys and girls uh, from Gen X and, and older who connect to passions of their youth. And comic books, gaming, esports as a competitive endeavor around gaming are all things that are you know, youthful passions. Um, so whether you're young or forever young, these are things that you want to cling to. Um, I think in times of crisis and times of uncertainty, they are a respite for many people. And I think people are diving into these worlds because they are familiar, they are you know, nostalgic, but they are 
again, I think uh, a bit of a, a morality play where people, you know, need to go, you know what, there is good in the world. Um, and we are on the side of good. And I think that's pretty cool because with video games, you know, you have a character and you're against other characters and you inherently believe you're the good guy in that narrative. <laughs> um, so you're trying to do what you can to, to, to beat the bad guy. And so those are things that I think are universal truths of youth. Um, and the other piece to this, I think, is the collectability of it and the community that it creates. I'm excited by being part of another amazing community of comic book collectors and uh, folks that are fans of the DC multiverse because you find that like-minded connection. And because you can't leave the house, luckily, digitally, there's a digital community that you can tap into and you know, not be uh, so isolated. So the more we can share that experience with more fans, the, the better. And I think that's the through line. Um, between the gaming world I was at and uh, this new world that I'm literally a week into. Yeah. Well, and speaking of heroes, you get to work with a lot of heroes. Like, what's this I hear about Batman? What's going on? I think everyone um, who's a fan of Batman should know that the 19th is Batman Day. So I think that's important. Those who have their fandom for Batman, come and shine your bat signal and show your love for this amazing Dark Knight. And beyond that, to your point, uh, what's fascinating about the storytelling we can right, deliver to the to the fans, uh, both new and old, is the opportunity to create diverse voices. The comic book world and I think the superhero world can allow folks to do both, I think, a bit of reflection in the mirror, but also uh, give them a little bit of a peek into a new world via the window that is the multiverse or the DC Comics uh, universe. Uh, and so as an example of that, we have an amazing woman, Javisha Leslie, amazing uh, African-American woman acting as the new Batwoman in the new CW series coming up in the future. And that's to me fascinating because I said the reflection of the mirror, being able to see yourself, right? See it to be it as a superhero, a strong black female superhero as Batwoman, um, but also a peek into a new world because the powers that she has and that she wields in some ways are an opportunity for young boys and girls to see opportunities for them to succeed and for them to kind of be empowered by leveraging skills and and resources they don't think they have right now, but that are truly kind of inside them the whole time. I think that's a fun thing about superheroes is that you can kind of see a bit of yourself in them and the optimism that being a superhero creates and a sense of purpose that it creates for, for young folks. But most importantly, being able to see people that look like you um, do amazing things uh, in culture is something that I'm excited to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of the younger generation being able to see themselves do just about anything, I understand your daughter is destined to be a race car driver. Is that right? <laughs> yes, my uh, nine-year-old daughter, my uh, my wife and I, um, Melanie, has done an amazing job of letting our our children just explore during this process. And during the entire whole COVID uh, quarantine, two things happened. One, my eldest uh, daughter, um, Sydney, appropriately named after Sydney Portier, has become an amazing video editor. So whether it be iFilm, Adobe Premiere Pro, she's kind of all in it and she's creating these videos. And our nine-year-old, Sienna, to your point, she loves race cars. I've taken to every single auto show you can imagine. And she wants to be a Formula One driver. So she has a little instagram channel the real f1 sienna and she has a youtube show where she follows f1 racing and comments and critiques the races and celebrates the winners and uh all things fast in her mind and she wants to be a engineer automotive engineer uh, and a formula one race car driver so 
we're going to be right hopefully supporting her one day to break down barriers in this in this industry and what's scary is she's not afraid of going fast her biggest fear is going too slow so i'm only counting the days down between now and she and you know when she gets her driver's license <laughs> as an example of how passionate she's about this space two years ago ford versus ferrari came out and it came out the same time as frozen two and she wanted to see ford versus ferrari and so she cares a lot about a uh, gt500 shelby so she knows more about cars than I do. <laughs> oh, I love it. Girl after my own heart. I'm a, I'm a car girl too. So I uh, love to hear that. And I'm just so happy for you. I am. I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. I know you, there's a lot of things you're looking forward to in the future. So I'm going to come back and check in with you after you've had a little bit of time to work your magic there and uh, see what you've been up to at that point. Well, I appreciate it. No, it's a pleasure. I'm uh, candidly, uh, you know, over the moon to join the, the the DC family. And I love my Brand Week and Ad Week family too. So thank you once again for the time, Nadine, and for all those listening, hopefully chase your passions because that's what I'm trying to do. And now's the time to do so. I think everyone realizes that uh, we're all on borrowed time and the best we can do is to use uh, our forces for good. And I think what we did with the Real Heroes Project is one such endeavor and I want to do more of those. Uh, so hopefully we can partner and, and do some more We'll good work together. I would love that. You have my full commitment. So Wonderful. thank you so much for joining us. All right, Nadine. Thanks again and see you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.